from your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. And today is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, electrical emissions, new technology. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call us. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. I want to welcome back the team from Pittsburgh Power, Bruce, John, Ethan. Welcome, guys. Well, thank you for having us, Kevin. It's always our pleasure. John. Thanks, Kevin. Good to be here. Yeah, great, great to, to here, have Kevin. great to have you guys here. So uh, it's been a little crazy around here. Um, obviously, we've been fighting some fires. They're still right in our backyard. So. Uh, I'm going to leave uh, most of today's content up to you guys. I don't have a whole lot unless you want to hear about the fires. Give us a quick update anyway. <laughs> yeah, so kind of crazy. They um, We're in a tiny little town, a 1,000 people, but they are calling this the most significant fire in the nation right now. Uh, and I believe it's because we've had a major interstate shut down for over a week. So I-84... Uh, about 40-some miles of it right through the gorge is completely shut down. The only other way to get in or out of here is across the river in Washington on 14. They shut that down to commercial truck traffic. So trucks have to go all the way down down near Mount Hood and then come in uh, from the southeast into Portland. So it, it's causing a lot of disruption. This is also a, a national scenic area, and the scenery is being devastated right now by fire so last week uh last weekend it's been almost 10 days now um a 15 year old kid was playing with fireworks out in the uh out on one of the trails and started a fire and the first night they were saying 20 acres and by the next day it was 200 acres and then the winds picked up and it made a 12 mile run in 16 hours 12 miles of the gorge wow. straight towards Portland. Then the winds turned around, which is what they do in the gorge. We're known for our winds out here. That's why all the windsurfing and kiteboarding. The winds keep shifting, and they either go west or they go east, but they're always pretty strong. So it's just been we're, – we're up to uh, oh, 30,000 acres now, 35,000 acres. This fire, they have 1,000 people working this fire. It's actually being managed by a team out of New Mexico. I guess there's only 16 of these teams in the country, and they're all busy right now. This particular team has been out on fires for two months. They haven't been home. They've just been out fighting fires. So the the level three evacuation, which was mandatory um, over a week ago, is only 100 yards away from our house. We're only 100 yards into the level two evacuation which is be ready to leave at any time so they're saying today is critical um we're supposed to get some really gusty winds and if 
they're trying to hold it off at a creek. They've kind of built a fire break, and they say if it gets past them this time, the town's probably going to lose power, and they're going to have to evacuate the whole town. So it's been a little wow. crazy around here. What, what's the nearest town to you? Are you near? Uh, are you at Hood River? We are twenty miles west of Hood River, and today, if it makes that jump over the creek, they're worried about Hood River. So, because it'll be heading their wow. way, so Hood River is under like a level two evacuation order right now. Be ready to leave. Uh, parts of Hood River are so today's kind of critical. They're hoping they can hold it from jumping the creek, and. Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, we had we left one day because the winds got so crazy. The smoke was bad. You couldn't tell where the fire was going to go. And, you know, we had the coach and the trailer all loaded up. And at 70-some feet, I didn't want to get stuck in a traffic jam. So we got out early, stayed out for about a day and a half, and then decided to come back. Um, we've been back ever since. So... We're pretty well safe. The house, there's not a lot of fuel right around the house, so I don't think we have anything to worry about as far as burning down. If the power goes out, we have a backup generator. So really the only thing that might chase us out of here is a lot of smoke. Okay. Well, that's encouraging, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for us anyway. If the power goes out in town, that's going to be a little crazy. You know, we're, we're a tourist town. And this is still the high season for us, and town's been shut down for 10 days. So um, definitely a, an economic impact, a lot of acres burned, um, just pretty crazy right now. That's tough. Yeah. Bruce, you've been out here. All of those waterfalls um, we visited have all been on fire. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um you know, I once was told a few years ago that one major forest fire pollutes more than all the semi-trucks in one year. Now that you're around that smoke, do you agree or disagree with that statement? Oh, well, you know, you could bring in, like I say, we're in a tiny little town. Right now, I think, I'm pretty positive there are more firefighters in town than there are people because almost everybody had to evacuate. We have, like I said, there's a thousand people working this fire. But you could bring, I mean, just looking at the air quality outside right now, it's horrendous. I mean, we're wearing masks if we go out. You could bring in a thousand pre-electronic diesels, and we know how much they smoke, and you could run them around town and we wouldn't see this kind of air quality. I mean, it's, it's really bad. So if one forest fire, if this is a true statement, if one forest fire major can pollute more than all the trucks in the U.S. in one year, and right now is there like 68 fires burning in this country? I, I can't even keep track. Like I said, we went to a briefing last night, and they said there are 16 of these level one teams in the country, and all of them are deployed and they need more. The other interesting thing, there are actually two airplanes that fly around the country with thermal imaging and all kinds of other technology on board, and they map out these fires. And those, there's only two of them in the country, and there's so many fires right now that those things are flying almost nonstop, and they're still not able to get to all the fires 
trying to map all this out. So, yeah, there's there are a lot of fires burning right now. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> so, all right. um, cool. while, while we're on natural disasters, I have a question for you guys. Maybe maybe you can help out the listeners here. So I think I saw a statistic in the Houston uh, disaster that the, uh, a million vehicles were completely flooded. Now, they didn't designate cars, commercial trucks, that kind of thing. That's a lot of vehicles. The entire state of Florida looks like it's underwater right now. Um, there's going to be a lot of vehicle flooding there. This is going to be a problem in the next couple of years. These vehicles are going to end up back on the market again. Any tips on how to avoid one of these things? You know, a friend of mine bought a Lexus that was a flood car, and he didn't have – it was redone, and he has had zero problems with that. I think he's owned it about four or five years now. Wow. So I yeah, I don't have a and – and, again, I don't know how far under it was. I know they had to put new carpet in it. Knowing knowing how complicated the electronics and sensors and, and everything on these newer trucks, would any of you guys feel comfortable owning one that had been flooded? It would depend – if I got it while it was still wet, it wouldn't bother me, but the, it would depend on who worked on it. I mean, if I, if I were to take one right now that came right out of the water, I'm confident I can make it good. Okay. But I don't know that uh, – you, you know what I mean? I, I just don't yeah. know if it sits too long somewhere. You've got dissimilar metals that are now sharing an electrolyte that, yeah, it's a, it could be really bad. <laughs> so that, that's kind of I'd my thought, I mean, yeah. I guess – you know, how does uh, – I'm not real familiar with rig dig. I hear you talk about it, and I hear some guys come through the shop with it. I've never played with it, but is it, it's kind of like Carfax or big trucks, right? It is, with even more information because commercial vehicles obviously are subject to roadside inspections, annual inspections, uh, tougher crash reporting. So all of that information makes it into rig dig. And there's, there's something called a title brand. So if there's a major change to a vehicle, like a salvage title issued, flood, those kind of things, they they put a brand on the title. And flood is one of them. And if all the proper steps were followed, if you pull a rig dig, you would know that that was a flood vehicle. It has to be reported on the title brand. Let me get to a break. We'll come right back. We'll see uh, if you guys have anything, and then we'll get to some calls and questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power. So um, enough uh, disaster talk. Anything you guys want to cover this week? John, Ethan, do you fellas have anything? I I, I do. I, I came across one this morning I wanna, wanted to bring up. Uh, we had one of our trucks that we'd installed a Dorothy on uh, a couple of months ago. It's gone about 20,000 miles. And, uh, the fellow's been fighting some check engine lights still, and he still has some after-treatment issues. Uh, but uh, we cleaned it out while it was here, and it had this substance in it that uh, well, it had to be six or eight ounces of what looked like tar. Pretty amazing. That's like, the best way to describe it. It was a lot, yeah. Um, you know, if it were brown, I'd tell you it looked like something else, but it was black. <laughs> so and by the time I rolled it out of there and scraped it out, that's exactly what it looked like. But uh, but it gave me an idea, and I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to the guys at Polaris about this maybe, but it could be an indicator of engine health having that stuff analyzed once in a while. Um, you know, you get to see what, what we're catching in there. Because this is obviously, all the trucks I've done have, and when they come back, it's a little different. You know, some are dry, flaky. Uh, it all seems to need to be scraped off the inside. It's not as powdery as I thought it would be. Huh. I think that's because of the moisture that we catch as well. I think yeah. it also fires with the uh, the soot and makes a slurry in there that uh, just kind of coats the inside. So it's kind of interesting, though. But it's almost to me, it would almost be worth analyzing and see what's uh, what's in that. You know what? Uh, you know what, what's going on in the engine that's causing it to be that way. But just an idea I had this morning. It was it was, it was interesting. Yes. Yeah, that would be interesting to get it analyzed. And it's 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 um, interesting that it's showing up, like you said, differently. Um, you know, the substance looks different, different engines, and it'd be, uh, I'd love to know what causes that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so it's opened up in a whole other line of thinking for me. It's just to, you know, maybe do some analysis on it. It'll be interesting. But the fellas here, it's obvious his is probably burning some oil. It's a, an ISX with a little over half a mil on it. And I've got to believe his, uh, you know, from previous running, I could believe his uh, rings are carboned up a bit. So we are doing a, uh, we did an engine flush on it when he was here, and we're doing another one on it now to try to uh, free those up, hopefully. Because the engine's in good health otherwise, just use a little bit of oil. So uh, if we could, uh, you know, the quick indicator will be we'll clean it out in another 20,000 miles and see what the stuff looks like. Yeah, there you go. Well, we'll certainly be interested to hear about that. Anything else you guys have? Should we get to some calls? Yeah. I have one thing. Sure. Um, last week, one, an owner-operator emailed me about uh, a variable geometry turbo problem, and he was uh, getting fault codes on the actuator, and the turbo was not moving. So I asked him if he was mechanically inclined, and he said somewhat. I had him take the turbo off and separate the turbine housing and clean the variable geometry vanes. He put a new actuator on, and the email this morning was, I think, 587 miles since he put the turbo back on, and everything's working perfectly. So for the price of an actuator, and I don't even think it needed an actuator. I think the veins just needed to be freed up. But he saved himself at least a $2,500 bill plus labor. Nice. Yeah. I'm, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna take one apart. We're gonna make a YouTube movie of it. We're gonna talk more about it uh, on future shows and in the articles to help some owner operators keep from or to have them stop buying these expensive turbos because of a little bit of carbon and soot. 
Good idea. And I'd love to work together with you guys on that. We could make it an online course. You know, we could load up, you know, any uh, parts list, tools. Uh, you can do videos. We can do PDFs, audio, all kinds of things. I think that'd make an awesome course. I think that, that's brilliant. We'll, we'll start on that next week. Sounds good. Okay. We'll, uh... The interesting thing about that, uh, Bruce and, and Kevin, a lot of those parts aren't available directly from the manufacturer, but the word is out there in the aftermarket and online that, uh, that you know you can take these things apart and clean them. So quite often, you go to a dealer or something, you're not going to find anything you might need, a clamp to put it back together, or you know, they actually have little refresh kits available online. I'm not sure exactly who the supplier was that I'd found, but I'd done a couple of Google searches and found the parts because I'd ask our parts guy, like, no, we have to replace it. Like, why can't we just take it apart and clean it? Well, if you don't use any parts, you can. So it's dangerous for a shop sometimes to dig in there. They may end up replacing it anyway. But uh, in the aftermarket world, they there are some, I've seen some kits available for uh, to freshen these things up. But the, it seems the manufacturers want you to just change the whole turbo. Right. Is, is what yeah. The point was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot it's more money that, in that. It's been that way for years. So if you our try, goal has always been to let's see what what is the best, most economical way to repair something. Yeah, absolutely. In a situation like that, too, that gives the guy, you know, the, the, the customer that heads up maybe, okay, we got got away with the cleaning this time. We may need to replace it next time. We can put it on his radar then, too. Yeah. So that's uh, definitely a better way to go. Kevin, I have to leave the show for about 35 minutes. Is there a way I can call back in? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what we'll do, though. I will put you uh, back in the screening room with... Bridget and you two can work out the best way to get in, whether uh, you send her a text message or uh, we'll figure out something to make we make sure we get you back in. Uh, what do you say we get to some phone calls? Let's go. All right, let's do it. Let's start off in Oklahoma. Stuart, welcome to the program. Fair tax yesterday there, Kim. Absolutely. Uh, What's on your mind today? about a truck. Well, I'm calling about a truck I'm looking at. I've never owned a truck with a hood, so I'm kind of new to this, and it's got a weird drivetrain on it. Wanting to know if uh, wanting to know if we can make it a fuel economy truck. I know uh, I know they did a great job up there at Pittsburgh pa- uh, Power with my old cab over, and uh, but I, I've never heard of a 14. Well, I've heard of it, but uh, 14 speed transmission uh, with 308 gearings in it. At, Detroit eleven one is that even worth messing with? Wow, so three oh eight. I would imagine if it's a fourteen speed. Boy, is that an Eaton? Never even heard of that transmission. Yeah, uh, I've not I, heard. Of that's one that Volvo Mac. Oh, remember when Volvo Mac was doing all that uh, that Max of torque, Max of dive stuff? Uh, okay, so that must be a single overdrive if they're matching it to 308, especially with an 11 liter. What year is this? 96 model. One of the, and it, it's a DDAC, uh, DDAC 4. I think that I might have been one of the last years you could even get an 11 liter. You know, I love the 11 liter engine. It's virtually identical to the 12.7 with a shorter stroke, I think. They were bulletproof. Yeah. I, I owned a ton of those and just loved them. And then they stopped 
making them. I just, I don't know. That's such a weird drivetrain. Um, I, in some I, ways, I kind of like it. Um, although I would probably, depending on the operation, I'd rather see like a 279 in there, run it direct, and then have that one overdrive gear. I don't know. I, I might be tempted to try something like that. All right. I, I've dealt with the 11 liter for uh, hell a million miles, you know, on that old cab over mine. It was a great engine. I just, I, I don't know anything about that old, that, that drivetrain at all. Yeah, you know, I even, even if there was a way to make it economical. Well, I, I, you could make it economical. It's not bad set up the way it is. It's not awful. It, it's if that's a single overdrive, and I'm, I'll bet it is with like a point eight five final ratio in the transmission. That isn't a bad setup the way it is. I think it'd be even better, like I say, to go to maybe a two seventy nine with that eleven liter, and you know, run it in. Like you'd have thirteen gears in an overdrive. Kind of a nice setup. Wonder right. what the uh, now now. I'd love to see okay. what the first gear ratio is on that too. It might have a nice low with that many gears. It might have a nice low first gear in it. Uh, yeah, I, I, the the way it was described is it's got a crawling gear, just like you know a, a, a really oh, wow. low low, just like almost every other truck. Now the other thing is I'm used to dealing with the D deck five. Uh, the D-Deck 4, is there as much aftermarket stuff as, that Pittsburgh Power could do for me? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, we can yep. help you out there greatly. Um, setting up Between setting up the ECM and just like, again, it's a little different. It's a little smaller. You don't get the horsepower numbers you would out of a you know 12.7 or a 14 liter, but you could still make it get up and go a little bit better than it does. All right, all right. I'm just worried about fuel economy, but yeah, uh, anytime y'all can make it do like you did on my old one, I'd love to. Uh, I'll call Bruce or I'll call y'all's main number, get a hold of you. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, thank y'all very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's head off to Texas. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey. Good morning. Um, Kevin, I got a uh, I got a Ram 5500 with a 6.7, and uh, back in uh, 219,000 miles, I had a head gasket replaced that uh, was showing uh, back then a sodium of 47 parts per million, and uh, uh, potassium 47 parts per million, sodium 208 parts per million. I've had some heating issue, overheating issues, and so we did a head gasket. Uh, so I was told by the person that did this that oh, hold, run several hold that two thought. Or three, uh, hold that thought. Let me get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the results on that sample right after this.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're going to get right back to the calls. We're talking with Mark in Texas. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, when I had the head gasket done at 219,000 miles, it had 47 ppm on potassium and 208 on the sodium. So the head gasket, did, we did that. Now, last Thursday, I came back in and had an oil change. It's about the uh, – it was probably the third or fourth oil change since they had gasket back in June. Now, the, the potassium dropped to 10. The sodium has dropped to 111. However, now copper is at 22. And I, now, I don't, I've heard you talk about some of these – uh, in-house oil samples that they're very inaccurate. I didn't know this. I mean, it's like, you know, I make all the mistakes in the world, and I learn from you guys. Uh, I'm just alarmed at the copper. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be alarmed, or should I just? My question is, should I just go ahead and buy a sample kit from you, run it about five thousand miles, send the oil sample off to your lab, see what comes back, and then go from there? It's, and then so- I, I'm just like looking for some answers yeah so let me jump in there i i won't even review a benchtop sample there because no information is better than bad information and i just don't trust those right if they come back with something high and i send you off chasing something you're going to spend a lot of money on something that might not even be a problem could have just been a false reading on the other hand if the sample comes back good and you drive down the road thinking nothing's wrong and something could be wrong. So I'd rather see somebody have no oil analysis than the benchtop stuff that we just can't trust. So to answer your question, whether you buy it from us or get a full-service sample done anywhere, a full-service sample we can trust. We really like Polaris because they're one of the few labs that can really pick up fuel dilution now. Their samples are easy to read. They're accurate. Um, so, yeah, I, I would get a full-service sample of some sort done on this. 5,000 miles isn't going to be enough. I, I would want at least 10,000 okay. on the oil. The, the, How much? Uh, at least 10,000. I really like 15, but 10 will start to tell us what's going on. Now, the other hand, on, on copper by itself, almost never a problem. Copper by itself is almost always just leaching out of the oil cooler, and it doesn't hurt anything. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, do you you made me feel a lot better because I was sitting here like worrying about that because it's like you know you know and, and like I said, I've heard you after I had the head gasket done. I heard I heard one of your shows where you talked about how these these you know in-house oil samples at these different locations are highly inaccurate and i'm like oh my god i probably there's probably a learning a learning expensive learning curve right there so uh you know anyway so i just wanted to call and discuss that with you and see you know get your thoughts on that because uh you know and there's so many people out here you start talking asking about oil samples and they don't really they they don't can't give you a straight answer so i mean i've heard you talk about them and how you you're really educated and done them for uh, used them for years so that's why i've like come to the person that knows the most you know yeah so, it, i uh, i am a huge huge believer in oil analysis but only if it's a, a true lab not these bench top units there's just way too many things that go yeah. wrong with those things 
Yeah, but I mean, the, the question I have, you, the guy goes back in the room and he comes out and he gives you an all sample, says, well, this, this. And I'm like, well, do they clean How do they, what's their process of, of uh, ensuring it's a quality sample? I mean, it's just like, you know, you know was, was maybe the, the machine was contaminated. I, I don't know. Well, uh, they're, they're, yeah, uh, and I, I've talked about this. There's, there's so many problems with these. One, the equipment is subpar. I mean, when, when you see a full-service lab, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment and people highly trained to run that equipment. On the other hand, we've got a unit that got sold to this shop and it's sitting on their bench and nobody knows how to use it and it doesn't get calibrated and it's not all that great to begin with. I, I just I would rather not have any oil analysis data than have stuff I can't trust. John, any thoughts on that? Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, you, you know, garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. You've really got to watch things like that. <clears throat> you know, proper, uh, I don't know what they're, if they're using a plasma uh, mass spec or what they're using, you know, at, at Polaris, but that's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Your average shop is not going to have that on their bench top. Yeah, yeah. And- so, yeah, to, 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 you know, to do major engine work because of that without a real <laughs> problem, that's uh, that would be uh, kind of a no-no. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I agree. Let's head off to Kansas. Rob, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. John. Hey, I have a 98 Freightliner Century Detroit 60 Series in it. And right now I have an issue. I'm getting a grinding slash banging noise uh, when I'm turning right and when there's uh, some kind of a load on the engine. If I'm going straight down the road or turning left, uh, no noise. Or if I'm uh, just coasting and turning right, I don't hear the noise. And it happens at any speed. I've got to go with motor bounce on that one. Okay, I was kind of thinking that, too. uh, Yeah. Yeah, one of your input also. Uh, Another question. Just had an end frame on this this engine 23,000 miles ago. Um, Oil consumption for a while has been 1,500. Just recently had my best set. 3,300 miles just before I uh, serviced the truck. Um, then right after that, I had one back down the 2,000 miles before I had to put a gallon in. Um, it's possible I didn't quite get it all the way filled up after the service. The truck was on a little bit of a slant when I topped it off. But uh, when do I need to start looking at um, you know some kind of another option here uh, as far as another rebuild or something on this oil burn thing? That sounds a little heavy right now. How long? It was just rebuilt twenty thousand miles ago. You said or twenty three? Twenty three thousand. Yeah. What temperatures are you operating this in? Just like uh, nothing super cold or anything like that at the moment. Nope, been running uh, just lower forty eight. I'm in Kansas right now, so you know weather's been uh, you know between fifties and nineties last uh, since I've had it up and running. And engine temperatures running at 180. Oil pressure's uh, good. Um, uh, probably about 38, 40 right now, going down the road. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to see below a gallon every 4,000 or so. Yeah, okay. it all depends. All right. uh, different engine yeah. Yeah. manufacturers have different specifications on how long you have to wait until you... Until it's fully broken in. Yeah. Um, Cummins doesn't, and I don't know the Detroit number, but Cummins won't recognize an, an oil consumption issue till about 50,000 miles. Was the was the turbo replaced when you did the in-frame? 
Yeah, it was. Uh, this was a VG Turbo uh, setup. I had it rebuilt there uh, at Pittsburgh Power. Oh, we did it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Corey that rebuilt it. Okay, it did the engine. And we did put new yeah. turbo on it while it was here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, check the turbo and, uh, too. Take a look. Uh, you know, if you're take a look at the uh, if you pull the intake hose off the turbo and just uh, run your finger inside of there and make sure there's not an oil film in there. Uh, if there is, obviously that could be where the consumption's coming from, or the uh, on the exhaust side as well. Uh, sometimes it'll leak outward and not into the engine, and you'll uh, you'll feel an oil film in the uh, exhaust piper right at the outlet of the turbo. Uh, no, and you see leak out uh, coming out of the bearings, or just uh, where the oil seal comes out. Of the it'll no, it'll weep past the seals into either the uh, turbine housing or into the compressor housing, and your engine will ingest it then, and you won't even know. It won't leak externally or anything. Okay, I yeah, I have noticed some dripping off the. Uh, I've seen the trails coming off the exhaust around the back there. I want to make that ninety degree going up the cab there. Um, right. You think that could be coming weeping out of the turbo? It could very well be. Yep. Yeah. If the uh, if that continues, let's uh, let's get a look at it. Yeah. That's uh, okay. if that was a new turbo, and you know, my book, new parts are always suspect. So you know, we okay. need to take a look. You could be losing some oil through there. Keep an eye on the consumption for me. Let me know. Uh, if okay, you would make it, just drop me an email or yeah, keep an eye on it and you know see what or where where we are in a, another month or so. Okay. Is if it doesn't get any better, or I need to yes. Um, okay. No, would 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 probably take care of that for you. That, that that turbo should be under warranty if it if that is the case. So uh, yeah, I'd want you to get back here if uh, if you can sit, continue to see the uh, the dripping at the bottom of the pipe there, or like I said, if you pull it, I'd like you to pull an intake hose off and just run your finger inside there and see if there's an oil film. That'll that'll tell you okay. right away. Okay, and if okay, that's the case, get, get, we'll get that. yeah, and and if that's the case, get right back in here, okay? Okay, sounds good. I need to get back up there for new injectors anyway. Okay, yeah, well, yep, sounds good. All right, thanks, John. You're you're welcome. welcome. Thanks for the call. There's the music. We're going to get to a break. When we get back, we'll get to more of your calls and questions. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power. We're going to get back to your calls. We're off to Tennessee. Ronnie, welcome to the program. 
Hey, guys. Uh, I just had a couple of questions of the, on buying a truck. Uh, I'm 51, planning on driving if, if my health and uh, everything lasts at least 68 or minimum 65. It's a big investment, and my question would be, would a emissions truck be, would it last the, the 15 to 17 years, or would the glider be the better option, something that is more simple? And then the last, uh, the second part of that question is, how in-depth can you get when, you, when it comes to specking either one of the trucks? I know the gears, the motor, the but can you say, hey, I want a, uh, this type of clutch or I, I want this type of air cooler, uh, charge air cooler? Just how in-depth can you get when inspecting either the glider or the emissions truck? Well, I'll jump in on that last part. Um, yeah, you can get started there, yeah. Yeah, some things you're going to have, like if you're building a glider, obviously since you're putting the engine and transmission together, you'd be able to spec a clutch. Sometimes you have those options with the, a new build. Charger cooler, I tried for a long time to get them to sell a glider kit without the charger cooler so we could put a Duralite in it, and we never got anywhere with that. So whether it's a new truck or a glider, usually kind of stuck with the charger cooler unless you're willing to pay the extra and swap it out when you do the build. Um, as far as, you know, looking out 14 or 15 years, you know, the, the glider has less risk because we, we know virtually everything about keeping those running right. You are giving up, you know, some of the new technology in the new trucks. So, you know, we've been talking so much about these new engines. John, you're a big fan. We're starting to see real fuel economy, real performance. We're seeing costs and problems come down. You know, it used to be just a slam dunk for me to recommend a glider. It's not a slam dunk anymore. I, I, I could do either one and be very happy with either one, so I'm not sure that there's a wrong answer here. Well, do you think uh, – I mean, I know you can get a million out of either one, or you should get a million, but I'm thinking once you get up into the eighth, ninth, tenth year, you know, the truck's been paid for for three or four years, which one is going to end up costing you more in the long run? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Versus the, I'm sure the emissions truck would probably be the better fuel economy in the beginning. But, it, you know, the, the glider is so much simpler. I already have a mechanic that can work uh, on, you know, uh, just the plane 12-7, no problem. And when it comes to that, of course, I know. If, and, and then the other thing, can you, if you did a glider, can you take it right over to Pittsburgh Power and get that tune done? Or is that going to throw a big old monkey wrench into the uh, their warranty thing? Uh, well, it, yeah, the tuning would definitely be frowned upon by the warranty if you're going to the, the glider builder that I think you're going to. Um, so that's that's that, that's a no-no until it's out of warranty. But the warranty is really not that great there anyway. Uh, we tend to see those engines here at about 300,000 miles. There have been three of them here in the last uh, couple of months that needed going over at that point. If you're going to do a glider, I'm, I'm not obviously I'm not completely opposed to it, but I would probably use a crate reman engine from a manufacturer. Make sure that's the case. So just get a, or have us build it would be another one. But uh, you know we've seen things. You know I've seen blocks that have enough pitting inside of them that it had 200 miles on them and they came out of a 300,000 mile glider. 
So you have to be really, really careful with what you power it with. Um, you well, know, how so I, you, I'd how probably would that work with y'all. I mean, if I went and got the glider somewhere and I went oh. to y'all's motor. Oh, we we could we could ship it there. That's no problem. We we we've you know we've done a couple recently actually, to whoever your builder is, or we could find a builder for you. We've got a local builder here that uh, I'd love to throw some work at. We've got a, a guy here who who does a lot of them that uh, uh, we we've not uh, you know I'm friendly. He's a friend of a friend, and I would like to try him out. He does about four or five a week actually, so he's not far from here. Uh, but you could uh, you know depending on who you choose to build it, we could we could ship an engine there, and we'll we'll guarantee you that it's good. Um, It'll be line board and balanced, and you know the, the block will be in the best possible shape it can be, and we'll make sure we use a good core. So, like I said, if you can do the go the glider route, be careful with what goes in there, or use a factory reman. I mean, just get a factory reman. That way, you'll the whole warranty thing will be a lot easier that way. Um, you know, you'll have a factory to deal with on it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm probably at least a year out, so as I get closer, I'll definitely be in touch with all y'all. Yeah, stay in touch and keep and. and and again, keep up on the new technology too. There is something to be said for it. I mean, you're, we're seeing a half million trouble-free miles as they are now, and in a year or two, it's going to be even better. And yeah, so you know, keep an eye on that. And, and warranty-wise, I'm telling you, the the new trucks are a whole lot easier to deal with. Uh, you know, so you'll have something that's uh, you know taken care of for a half million miles. You'll have no worries. And you know, and, and as time goes on, we're going to get even better and better with these after treatment systems. So uh, yeah, don't don't rule out the new truck. Keep an eye on the new technology. See what's there, um, or or the the glider route. But again, but be be careful with uh, what you power it with and who built who built the uh, the power plant. Okay, all right. Appreciate it, guys. All right, you're welcome. Thanks for the call. We have time for another one. We're going to head off to Washington. Tom, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Hey, I got a 99 Volvo, instrument cluster, bad circuit board. Uh, I guess the circuit or the cluster here is only a couple years old. Anyhow, I heard that you guys did refurbishing of them to where you could solder them up to where they'll last and work right. Is that right? We're able to fix them to some degree there. It all depends on what's broken and how much it's going to cost versus a new one. Uh, there's no point to putting more well, time and effort I- into it. What I see online, the uh, the circuit boards, that's kind of a common older Volvo problem that they use a cold solder that just didn't seem to work right or last any length of time. Is that correct? Yeah, we just actually had a Volvo in here with a dash that the, the kid <laughs> bought it, and he's like, it didn't work since it came in. And uh, basically, we go through and check out all the solder joints. You'll find normally in time, you know, how many, how long they last is, you know, all the varies. Um, you'll see the cracks in the solder joints, and you can solder them all back together. Normally, we go through most of you know all the ones we can reach. There's some on them boards that you just can't get to. All right. Another question. I want to get a manifold. Uh, it's 99 uh, uh, Detroit. I was unable to see a part number on the center section. Can you guys figure that out through the serial number of the truck, or do I have to actually pull the manifold off first before ordering it? I'm not sure. That's it. a question best for the parts guys, because I, being John, don't deal with the parts too much directly there. Yeah, um, I, one of our parts guys Pete will be able to, to get help the, I think Pete said to get the C, uh, part number, and I can't see one on there. Yeah, the center section number right, is the way. Sure. You might need a mirror. Uh, if you get a mirror and look underneath it sometimes, 
it should be pretty heavily embossed in that center section somewhere uh, that the numbers are. All righty. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. Right. We're going to try to squeeze in another one. Let's uh, let's go to Missouri. Casey, welcome to the program. I just, um, I just had a quick question. I'm looking at buying my first truck here in the next few weeks, and I'm looking between 2012-2013 Cascadia's. And what I'm coming across is both the DD13 and the ISX, and I was wanting to know which would be the most cost-effective way to go. In a Cascade, in a Cascadia, definitely go with the DD13. The uh, the ISX is I love the ISX too. Don't get me wrong, but in that truck, it, it's almost like a kit car. It's it's an adaptation that's not uh, not all that common. Okay. Really, I was kind of surprised because that's most one I'm the most common one I'm coming across. But really, it just doesn't wow. quite fit right. I I've I, seen one. We've seen <laughs> four, two, two, two. I, yeah, one was a nightmare, and the other one wasn't far behind. Yeah, I, I was going to say I've <laughs> ne- we finally solved that nightmare. I've never even yeah. seen one. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually driven one. That's what I had with my old company I was with, and that's why I love the Cascadia. But like I say, I was just wanting to know yeah. what's going to be the most cost-effective route. Yeah, I'm 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 with John on this one. The only reason I really want a Freightliner product to begin with is the engine. I'm not that wild about the Freightliner platform as far as quality and and some other things, but I'll take it because I want the DD series engine. So for me, a, a Cascadia with the a, a Cummins would just be an abomination. All right, with that said, the music's playing. That means I've got to get out of here. We're going to do it again. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. going to go ahead and start a second hour. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, upgrades, modifications, troubleshooting, 
technology, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. I want to bring John and Ethan back. Hey, welcome back, guys. Good to be here, Kevin. Thank you. Great to be here, Kevin. Well, great to have you here. Uh, there's lots and lots of questions on the line. So uh, anything we want to talk about or do we want to just get to some questions? Um, yeah, I don't, ha- I don't have anything. I want to ask you about something if you were interested in doing or going or had plans to. The uh, NACV show in uh, Atlanta is coming up here in a couple of weeks. It was off all of our radar when we were still planning on the CMC, but uh, I'm thinking of flying down there for a couple of days. I'd like to see the uh, end of the run on less deal and meet with some of those guys and just check it out. You know, I I thought about it, um, and that would be the reason I would go, the run on less. I'd love to see that finishing up and and talk to those guys. I I get the feeling that this is going to be a big supplier show, kind of an OEM channel supplier kind of show, so I thought I'd maybe skip it the first year and then see what the reports are like. And given what we're dealing with here in the fire and we're so far behind stuff right now, I don't think I'm going to be doing any traveling. So if you go, I'd love to hear the report. Well, yeah, my thought would be to go down just to you know, scout it out for next year to see if that's something worth uh... – you know, the other ones are getting a little tired from you know what Pete said about uh, about Dallas and some other things. It, it just uh, you know I think it might be worth just checking it out, see what it's like, and maybe uh, participating next year. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd like to see. Like I said, I was thinking about it uh, mostly for the run on less, but with everything going on here, I'm not going to be leaving anytime soon. We were talking about taking a, a vacation because I haven't taken one in so long, but. Uh, the fourth quarter, I think, is going to get pretty crazy um, trucking-wise when you look at everything that's going on. So I think we're going to push through the rest of the year and not take any time off till the first quarter of next year. Gotcha. So we will look forward to but your yeah, report. So, um, okay, I'll have one for you. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's maybe, uh, maybe if I go on Tuesday, I could call in from there. I could be the live there, reporter. There's an idea. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, let's think about Sounds trying good. that. All right, let's head off to Missouri. Eric, welcome to the program. How you guys doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I just got my engine rebuilt about two weeks to me about a month ago and uh, wanted to get the Pittsburgh Power Box, but I ran across something I was kind of interested in uh, learning about. It's called the Dorothy ERG Cleaner. Yeah. Uh, I just yep. want to know what what is it? Uh, how can I get it? And uh, uh, what does it do for the truck? Okay. Because I, uh, well, I, I was like, I, I was I was about to buy an ugly fix, a little thing, a piece of thing you put in your truck, and it supposed to shut off the EGR EGR valve or whatever. Uh, if, if, if this is if this is better, I might just go ahead and go with this product. Well, this is better in that your EGR is still functioning. It works with functioning EGR only. So if your your truck no longer has functioning EGR, then this is going to be useless to you. Uh, what it does is filters a, a fairly large percentage of the soot that is passing through uh, the recirculated exhaust gases out. So it's, it's a passive filtration system that just catches some of the soot before it goes back into the engine. Oh, okay, that's all that it does. It uh 
it, does it filter it out, or do we have to change the filter every once in a while? There's, or? There is not a fil- there is a that's got a catch canister on the bottom of it that you'll just dump out uh-huh. every. I'm thinking fifty to seventy thousand miles from what I've been seeing with the trucks that come back in. Okay, so it doesn't take the place of anything. You just add on to the truck. No, it just adds on. Doesn't take place of anything. Uh, there, to, what what kind of truck do you have? What what, what engine is it? I have a. I did I did my rebuild of my engine top and bottom. Uh, it's a Cummins IXX uh, 2007 model, so it has the EGR, the DPF, and uh, yep. uh, th- that had both of those. I know that. Yeah, if it's if that's all still functioning on your engine, it'll definitely help you out. Yeah, it'll be less less soot going back through the intake. So you're not going to carbon okay, up the ring lands as quickly, and you're not going to dirty up the exhaust valves, and the sensors will stay a bit cleaner too. Okay, and I I had put a tune on my truck and uh. Cummins went back in there and changed it back to 450, so I got to go put another tune on my truck. I just want to know what kind of tunes do you guys offer, and uh, I'm looking for at least 600 horsepower to make my fuel economy better than what it is. Because my fuel, since they took my last tune off, my fuel economy went back down. So I just want to know. uh, What year was your truck again? It's a 2010 Peterbilt, but it has a. Cummins IXS 2007 model, Cummins IXX. So it just has the EGR. Yeah, it, it, you have just the EGR on it? Yes, it has the EGR no. on it. E- okay, so you don't have a... Yeah, you don't have a DPF filter on this one yet. Yeah, I do. I do got the DPF filter on it. Okay. Yeah, we we can set them up on them. Um, you know, 600, you know, I, I don't know which way, flywheel or wheel, but we can go either way there. Um, you know, 600 flywheel horsepower typically gets the truck moving pretty good there. Uh, reliability's there with it. And uh, we charge, what was that for that? Is it... I think that one's 1750 I'm trying to remember. I have a sheet on the front of my desk to keep my... 1450 1450 for that one. Yeah, that's yeah. 1450 Yeah, because it's 2010. Okay, do I, do I, can I mail y'all my uh, ECM or... Could I go to, like, Kansas City and have it uh, remotely done? We can do it either way. Um, or you can, if you either bring way. it here, my, my favorite is, again, my uh, the dyno tune is probably the best at the end. Because, you know, if we see something we don't like or, you know, want to fine-tune something while it's on the dyno, it's no extra charge at that point to make a few changes to the program. Something we can't see while we're doing a remote tune or if it was mailed in. Okay. Okay, and uh, when would the Dorothy product be ready to ship out? For that one, that's going to that's going to be a little while. Right now, I may as well give a quick update. Right now, we're uh, very close to having them. You know, I know we predicted uh, I was shooting for late July or July at some point, uh, but uh, that didn't happen. We are really close with our manufacturer who's building them. Those will be should be have a sample here back from them sometime really soon, just for me to okay. And the first batch should be here in the next week or two. So that's uh, that's progressing. Your particular truck, I'm sorry to say, is going to be a little farther down the list. We just don't have a whole lot of call for that CM871. Uh, but we will do a kit for it. So that that's going to happen at some point. And if you want, uh, if you were to come in for a tune, I might be able to do a custom build on yours because I haven't had call for one here at the shop yet. So what I need to do to, to get these going since we don't own all these trucks and there's no way to simulate it or I can't just get fine CAD drawings and make these things, I actually have to get the trucks here. I have to build the kit to install it, meaning that I have to rearrange your plumbing to, to run the, the EGR through the 
through the Dorothy. And then I have to build bracketry and, and decide, you know, what we need for hoses and so forth. So with every every one of the first ones that I do, I build two and keep one here as a master so I could duplicate it and build a jig off of it and we could go from there. And eventually I'll have the kits subbed out too, but for right now we're doing them one at a time. Uh, so that's uh, And we have to do it as, as need be. So the first dial are going to be DD-15 because, well, that's the most popular, uh, the one we've got the most call for. And it was actually a pretty simple installation as well. So we've got two or three different uh, CM-2250 and CM-2350 uh, Cummins applications because those ones are very dependent on which truck they go in. The uh, DD-15 seems that if it's got that engine in it, it fits. Uh, it's really the, the same kit for all of them, it seems. So uh, that's an update for everybody, not just you. But the, the CM-871, which you have, is going to be, I'm going to say spring. I don't even want to commit to anything sooner than that, but probably sometime next spring. Spring? Okay, yep. but if, you, if I got it in there to do a custom build, like, uh, if you came in, if you came in for a tune, then, yeah, no, I'd, I'd take the opportunity. If you came in for the tune, I'd take the opportunity then to build a custom one for you, and uh, then I would have the jig. I'd have one to build a jig off of as well then. Okay. All right, well, I appreciate okay. it. I'll give you a phone call. I'll call, I'll call the shop and give you a phone call and let you know. Sounds good. I'll talk to you All soon. Right. All right, thanks. All right, sounds like a plan. I'm looking at the clock, and I'm going to have to take us into the break. And when we get back, we will get to more of your calls and questions. Don't forget, we have launched Let's Truck University. We've launched with two courses right now, one on the business side about fuel optimization. That one can save you three to $5,000 a year in fuel cost. We have one on getting started in the uh, keto lifestyle on the road. And we have plans for many, many more courses coming. So we're excited about that. Keep checking the website. There's always something new. Let'sTruck.com. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. John and Ethan are with me, and we're going to get right back to your calls. We're off to Texas. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, uh, I called you this weekend. Uh, we lost our ECM. 
unfortunately, the guys there at uh, Pittsburgh Power were closed over the weekend, so we had it put on. We had a new one put on at uh, Altoona uh, Trucks. Well, it's uh, Allegheny Trucks in Altoona, and uh, they did a great job. And uh, my question for the guys is uh, they said that they were able to copy my template and put it back in this new ECM, but I'm not thinking I'm getting the mileage I was before on my tune that I got done at T&E. So I'm wondering, even though they say they copied it, they didn't copy it. Uh, what engine do you have? Uh, ISX. In a okay, 09 Postal. Okay, a template and a program are two different things. Um, okay. The template basically sets the inputs and outputs, the speed ratio, how the switches are set up on the dash, uh, all the little options where, you know, you, when you're sitting in your driver's seat, you know, how the cruise yeah. control turns on, Jake brake options. Right, right. That, that's, that's what Cummins calls the template. Um, the program that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a, uh, a factory program. And you, we, it's something that, you know, we, we, if we did it, then we have it backed up here on one of the laptops. Okay, so I could uh, I could get with you guys or go back to T and E and they could reset it for me. Yes. Oh man, uh, fantastic! Because I was loving the way the truck was running before, but we hit a bump and the thing quit. And then they were able to duplicate it by just tapping on the side of the ECM with the ECM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, we weren't here yeah. for you this weekend. Oh man, me too. Because I would, we, we had to get towed, and it, if it would have been like I told my wife, I said if it was during the week, we would have gone straight to Pittsburgh Power since we had to pay a tow bill anyway. Because you guys probably could have fixed the ECM. So, but who knows? It may have been something that was catastrophic. Well, it was absolutely catastrophic. I in my pocketbook will tell you it was catastrophic, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that, I'm glad to hear that. So uh, I got to go back up to T and E anyway, and uh, or I might get through there. If I get through there, we'll uh, we'll definitely come by and see you guys. Because I would, I think this truck would work better. The tune would work better on the dyno because uh, it still puffs a little smoke every now and then. But that might have been in that old ECM too. I mean, because yeah. it did not record my hours. They got everything. They got my mileage back, everything but the hours, and they could not find them. So I don't know what happened with it, but I told them the hours weren't that important as long as I had the miles. So, but we'll uh, we'll have to come see you guys and uh, get in there because I would definitely like one of those uh, Dorothys on this thing too. Sounds good. Clean it up. Yes, sir. Yeah, stop, stop by. Uh, T and E should do. We'll, you, reflash you there with. Uh, we'll have it here. We'll be able to remote in and give you get, get your tune back to you. Uh, but you should try to plan on a trip by, and uh, we could do a little work on it on the dyno as well. All right, sounds like a plan. Hey, looks like we've got Bruce back. Hey, Bruce, the the three of us took a vote, and since you took the last show off, we're going to let you finish this one up. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean the last oh i follow you okay i think yeah. you meant the show last week that we didn't have oh no no this 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 one okay all right 
All right. It's good to have you back. We're going to get back to the calls. Let's see. We are off to Ohio. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Good. Good. Hey, John and Ethan, um, I was over there right there at the first part of uh, July. Came in for uh, low power. And uh came to find out that I had one of those waste-gated turbos, and the waste-gate was busted. So you guys put the turbo on. We ran on the dyno, and it still had low power. Come to find out we had air in the fuel. So being that it was almost a four, if I ended up taking the truck and I left. So I went and had um, injectors put in it. And I um, found out later on that the air to air was busted too. So I ended up putting another charged air on there. So now we got, you know, your manifold, your turbo, new charge air, and new injectors in the fleet. And it's still not pulling, man. I mean, my fuel mileage sucks. I'm scheduled what to come in, over the engine, first week of this what in Detroit. 12-7. What year? Okay. Uh, what, are you making for, what are you making for turbo boost on the pole? For boost, I'm only getting 30 pounds. 30 pounds, yeah, that's not enough. Okay. Now, is this a so manual I, gauge or electronic? It's a manual. The factory gauge. Okay. The factory and on a hard motor. pool, I'm, I'm right at I'm right at 900 on the um, as far as the, um, as far as heat. That's no right. problem. We put a, we put our turbo on this, right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's got your it's yeah. got yeah, it's got your your turbo on it. Yep. 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 Okay. So you've since come to I think it needs some so fuel since, through the ECM. So since I've been there, it's had, um, you know, I've had injectors, six injectors and a, um, a charge air put on. And, I mean, it's still, uh, it's killing me. What is the fuel mileage? I'm down like a four, four, eight. Oh, my. When you're on the level, yeah. what kind of trailer are you pulling? I got a reefer. Okay, when you're on the level and you're going, the wind's not blowing, how many pounds of turbo boost does it take you to maintain your speed? Right about 15. How fast are you going? I'm usually doing about 70. Well, you have to get down under 8 to get good fuel mileage. We used to say 10. 10 is, is decent fuel mileage. You get good fuel mileage. You've got to get around under 8. So are you driving right now? Yeah. And where are you? Uh, I'm over here on 70 in Ohio, around St. Clairsville. 70. Okay, you going west? Yes. Okay, so you're going to be on the level pretty soon. I want you to get see what it takes to get it down under 10 pounds of boost. See what speed it takes and feel where your throttle is and see what the speed drops down from 70 to what. And let let us know. Okay. Like I said, I'm scheduled to come in um, next month, the first week of October. So, What, re- what just, rear gears uh, do you have? 355, 13 speed. Okay. I just don't know what else, to, you know, what else it could be. Well, you might need to slow down five miles per hour to try that on the level. 
you can run 70 on rolling hills, but when you're on the dead level, you want to try to get her down, get that speed down a little bit. Are you are you past St. Clairsville now? Yeah. I'm a... Okay. So take that boost down under 10 pounds and tell me what your speed goes to. Well, that's right about 66. Okay. Four mile per hour. And you dropped five pound of boost, so you dropped a hundred horsepower for five mile per hour. Now, now I did, I did go in. I had a dyno done on Friday over in uh, Columbus, mm-hmm. and they said the best that they could get out of it. Well, they told me it was great. It was pulling great, but the best he said he'd seen it peak at was four seventy. Four seventy to the ground. Right. Want to divide that by point eight five. That'll tell you your flywheel. Now, are you keeping it down under 10-pound of boost right now? Yeah, it's about a five, about a five right now. That's going to 68. Oh, there you go. So now at 5-pound of boost, what's, what's your computer telling you you're making fuel mileage? It's 5-5 five, five now. 5-5? Five, five. Should be a little bit higher than that. Okay. But now I'm going up where he goes small rolling hills, so went yeah, back up to 30 only, pounds. 30 pounds on a rolling hill is way too much. Are you on cruise control? Yep. Knock it off cruise and drive it with your foot on those rolling hills and try to keep the boost down while maintaining a moderate speed by pre-accelerating for the hill. All right. Well, there's uh, certainly a little more to explore on that one. Um, all of those numbers seem a little off. The music is playing. I'm going to have to get to a yeah, break. Oh, go ahead, John. Uh, there, there's definitely something up there. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was odd. Yeah, numbers are kind of all over the place. That one's going to require a little more digging. We're going to get to a break. We will come right back, get to more of your calls and questions right after this. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We've got Bruce and John and Ethan here, and we're going to get back to your calls. We're off to Nebraska this time. Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, 
afternoon. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Looking Good. for an looking for an opinion on the PX9 in front of an Allison transmission. Take in mind, this is going to be a local dump truck. PX9. That's a uh, Cummins. Yeah, it's uh, rebranded with ISC. No, it's bigger than a C. ISM. It's, I think it's an M. Yeah. Yep. It's an 8.9 liter. Yeah, or maybe it is a C. The C was used to be 8.3. Yeah, that's a Cummins ISC. That's, you know, for a local, that, that, that's a good engine. And what about the Allison? That I have no experience with. I'll have to defer to, to somebody else on there. Uh, I've heard from the uh, guys who have them in the big trucks, they, they tend to love them. Um, it's like driving a car, you know, automatic transmission. Um, other than that, I only have hearsay from what other people have told me. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the downsides to them. Um, they're heavy, expensive, and get horrible fuel economy. They're, it, it's the <laughs> six-speed Allison, correct? Yes. Yeah. It, Bruce, what was the, uh, I think you were the one that told me, what's the final gear ratio on that thing? It's like point six something point six or six four uh, both fifth and sixth gear are overdrive your direct gear is fourth gear um i i'm i put that in a lot of the uh the motor homes and things like that and it's called the world transmission i'm just not a fan of it because it's too much overdrive it um i i've got one in my coach like bruce said that that's the standard transmission in a coach because they shift so smooth they really are a nice transmission to drive but they're horribly inefficient and they're expensive they hold up well and it's a good thing because if you ever have to get it worked on they're not cheap um i'm i'm not a big fan of them either though you, you will find that a, a slight breeze will make that thing downshift into fifth and a little bit of a hill and you're in fourth pretty quick. The The two overdrives are just um, just too high, for, in my opinion. And it, it's a true automatic transmission. It's not an auto shift. So we know they're just not nearly as efficient. Yeah, I do. I would never have one over the road, but I, I wasn't sure about long. Yeah, I I don't know a whole lot about that segment of the market, but I, I would think that they would offer an auto shift instead, and I would much rather have an auto shift. Even a, a two-pedal with no clutch, just as easy to drive, uh, you know, as the Allison, but a whole lot more efficient. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm not a, like I say, in the coach, honestly, if I could pull the, the uh, Allison out of this coach and put in an Eaton Auto Shift, I would do it. Nobody builds them that way because the, the motorhome people don't like to hear it and feel it shifting, and that's why they go with the Allison, and they just don't care as, nearly as much about fuel economy or performance. Kevin, where I okay. think the OEM... Where I think the OEMs missed the boat was whenever they wanted to lower the RPM, they should have raised the gear ratio. Exactly. Like a 264 or a 290 or a 308 instead of going 355s in motorhomes and the medium-duty freight liners that pull fifth wheels. And 
I only went to a single over. A .85 overdrive seems to be about the best when it comes to overdrive, but that's not what they did. Right. And they don't understand. For some reason, they don't seem to understand how much power is lost in a drastic overdrive. Yeah. Yeah, and that that transmission's got two disadvantages, that it's a a true, fully automatic transmission and that, that, you know, really high overdrive. So uh, I I wouldn't want one, but... uh, like I say, I'm not real familiar with that segment of the market. If I could get an auto shift, I would much rather do that. Let's go to Utah. Julie, welcome to the program. Hello. I was just uh, curious. I'm the 2016 Cascadia, and I was looking at putting in uh, the OPS and the, eventually the Dorothy, and I was wondering, is there been any issues with the warranty i was going to put an ops sometime on my other freight liner and everybody told me no because it voids the warranty so has there been any issues around either one of those yeah that's not true about voiding warranties so uh you need you don't don't listen to those people when you talk to them because aftermarket parts like that will not void a warranty what was the mawson and mawson app if you look at is that what, what it was, Kevin, Mawson and Mawson? Uh, there is a law that covers this, and, and basically what it says is just just putting parts on or modifying can't really void the warranty. The, the manufacturer has to prove that what you did caused the failure in order for them to... to and, and then that's just logical, because if it wasn't their part that failed or caused the problem, then their warranty doesn't apply. But they also can't just say, we're going to void your warranty because they put that on. They have to prove, once there's a claim, that whatever you did caused the problem. That's the only way they can really get out of their warranty. Or they can just say, we're not going to cover it, and then you have to fight them, which sometimes happens in the real world. Okay, so... If you put the bypass oil filter on... You're actually helping them because you're keeping the oil cleaner. You might not want to go to the super long drains until you're out of warranty, but by all means, put it on and still do oil changes, but not quite as often. Okay, that that was my thought anyway. And so when I do this, do I switch to synthetic oil? Sure. How many okay. miles are on the engine? Uh, 251,000. Oh, by all means, by all means. Okay, great. Okie dokie, that's what I was just curious about. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's see, we're going to head out to Virginia this time. Tad, welcome to the program. What's going on, people? (laughs) Hey, Tad. Hey, Bruce, I got a good reading. I got a good reading for you, Bruce. I'm on the flat. Right. I'm away to with. I'm at Withville. Four point five pounds of boost. No cruise. Twelve hundred fifty RPMs. Fifty eight miles an hour, and I'm getting four point five boost. So I'm doing pretty good. That's good. That's very important uh, to keep that. Well, you, and you're in the hilly country down there. Yep. And we're still maintaining good fuel mileage. Now that I went back to the regular fifty eight sixty John, that's what I have to do. So. But the reason I'm calling, John, um, 
I got a, I know we're scheduled to be in the morning. I got to pick up a load at noon tomorrow. If I get the oil dropped, because I'm at 72,000 on this oil, um, if I get the oil dropped tonight and all that, can you at least get the codes cleared or see what the codes are if I, in one day? Because I got to go to Topeka. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're fine. When, you, when, you I mean, gonna, when I mean, are you going to be in here? I, I pick up my load. I'll be sitting in the yard at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning, and I figure Thursday we can do morning. the other stuff. I'm, I, I apologize. I, I've tried to get a hold of you, but I've been kind of sucked. I'm oh, sorry. That's okay, that's okay Dad. And, yeah, that's fine. I've got you on for and, Wednesday and Thursday. That's no problem. We've got uh, I've got the new part made for your uh, for the okay. Dorsey. Uh, it's ready to go on when you get here. And uh, yeah, we need to, we need to look at those uh, we need to look at those codes though. I'm kind of concerned about the ones that you sent me last well, time. So. And, and, and then here's the thing, John. I mean now, and I I just did some. My truck's running better because I put that uh, that Lucas fuel conditioner in that uh, Bruce recommended. How often should I put them in? Because my truck is running really strong. It, it runs strong, anyways. But I was curious, how often should I do that a year? Every Fuel every time you add fuel, but the okay, so that but I, that's the one I've got, Bruce, the one that you recommended. But overall, John, them codes come on. I told you after it did that regen, and I still got strong power, everything's a go. I don't understand it, but uh, I just wanted to let you know because I don't want to stiff you and let you know I have to get this load and I got to be in Topeka Sunday. So I figure if I try, do you want me? Can we get the oil dropped at your place? So I can save ten dollars a gallon. Oh no, that's easy. Yeah, no, no, we've got that. We'll okay. do, we've got plenty of time right, to do oil in the day. Like I said, well, I had you on for two right, days well, anyway. To, at, right. So you're good. We right, can get so everything like done I said, in a day. I have a, but uh, just to let you know, Bruce, right now I'm at uh, I'm in tenth gear, pulling this hill on eighty one, just outside of Whitville, and I'm at thirteen hundred RPMs and seven pounds of boost. Wow. What's your instantaneous mileage right now? Oh, hold on. Let me, uh, let's get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that right after this. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We were talking with Tad, and I think, John, you had a question for him. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to know what his uh, well, fuel mileage was showing at that moment. Well, if you, if you guys believe me or not, I'll just give you an example. I just dropped. I'm starting to pull hard. 
I'm at uh, 1,500 RPMs, I'm doing 50 miles an hour maintaining speed, and I'm holding that 14 pounds of boost, and I'm getting 8.4 miles to the gallon. Wow. Not bad. So you're using RPM instead of power, so you still have the yeah. momentum going for you. And I'm maintaining 50 miles an hour, 50, 55, pulling this little, I'm at mile marker 70, just outside of Whitville. Mm-hmm. I'm maintaining 1,500, a light not even halfway on my pedal, and and it's just pulling like, like mad, and I'm getting 8.5. Yeah. And I'm holding, and I'm running, of course, mine's off factory, and I'm at 226 horsepower and running temperatures of 193 up the hill. Good. Well, that's good. So, I mean, oh, it's a good truck. You- hey, have you got, real quick, John and, and Kevin, I was at Freightliner yesterday. I had my body work. Have you seen the new Cascadia, the aerodynamic? Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That is, that looks like a NAS, that looks like a NASCAR with a splitter on it. <laughs> yeah, they look terrific. Yep. But uh, I just wanted to update you and keep you posted, John. I got to grab this load and it's going to Topeka, so I will be there at seven a.m. and uh, thanks for everything. And it's just back to thirty-two, thirty-three pounds once I got out of that elevation. And I'll holler at you on Thursday. Nice talking to you, Bruce. Likewise. Take All care. All right. Sounds good. Let's head off to Indiana. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hi there, Kevin and uh, everybody else. Hey, I just, my question is just, I'm getting ready to buy, uh, put a driver on and I'm going to buy another truck, a used one. And I want to know what your recommendation is. I was thinking, uh, I really want that straight liner, but that automatic and the, the Detroit. And I'm wondering... It, would that be your you guys' recommendation, or would you, what would you guys recommend? That's uh, that's what I'd go with. Uh, something with the new D12 in it and the uh, DD15. It is. You can get the it, even the, the 2000. You guys said at one time that 2012 and newer is the way to go with that, right? Now, what year was the latest uh, DD15? D12 and up. Yeah, EPA thirteen. Thirteen, yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it was twelve and up. Yeah, yeah, halfway yep. through. Yep, twelve and up. But you can't get that. You'd have to buy. I think you'd have to buy a new truck to get that transmission. That just came out last year, I believe. Oh, really? Is it? Well, they have a. There's an automatic in the uh, the freight the Cascadia's in 2012, right? Uh, yeah, the, that's just a standard Eaton auto shift. Yeah, the Eaton is available. Oh, okay. That's, that's the Eaton. That uh, D12 uses some technology that hadn't been done before. It uses uh, a GPS mapping. It knows when you're on a hill. It's it's really, really uh, head and shoulders above any of the other auto shifts. Oh, really? But they didn't start making that until a year ago, you're saying? I think 15 or 16 is when it first came out. I think it might have been 15. Probably, oh. yeah, the 15, 15 model year, I think, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that might be a little more than I'm willing to spend, so. Uh, yeah, do a little do a little research, but I think it's worthwhile. It, it makes a pretty big difference, especially coupled with, uh, what are they down to, 217 years or something now? Or 219, I think it is. So that would be uh, that definitely... Uh, might be worth your while, or even wait another year till you know one comes on the market that's slightly used. Okay, all right, I will do that. Thank you very much. 
You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Oregon. Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, I'm running a 2010. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, I'm running a 2010 Cascadia. Uh, it has a million sixty thousand miles on it. Um, I've never had any major problems with the motor. Uh, running about 8.2 miles to the gallon. I need, basically, I was going to buy a uh, 2017, used 2017 at the end of next summer. What? I'm losing power, a little bit of power going uphill in this thing, finally. Um, I've noticed that I've been, even on lighter loads, and I generally haul pretty light, uh, I'm dropping an extra gear. Uh, but I'm not burning oil. Uh, every 40,000 miles, I'm maybe two quarts. Uh, at the most, I think 1,000 a gallon low on oil at the 40,000-mile interval change. Um, is there? I just switched over to using Dell 400. I'm not too thrilled about it, uh, but I was using Mobile Dell back. Is, is you think? Uh, I was losing the power before I switched the oil. Is there anything I can do to help bring the power back, or is it just getting tired? I'd be surprised if it's just getting tired. You've probably got a either a boost leak or something not quite right somewhere. I would. Uh, has the overhead ever been done? Have you ever adjusted the overhead on it? Uh, yeah, I have the overhead done um, every year. And the guys okay. I, down at Freightliner, I call them, tell them I want the overhead. Major say, Ken, with the few miles you're getting, you don't need it. And I'm like, I want it done anyways. Right. So uh, uh, we've uh, seen those a little bit out of adjustment. Okay. But I would take yeah, a look for a look for a boost overhead. leak. Did did okay. Okay. go ahead. Did I hear I yeah, go ahead. Did it yeah, did I hear you say that the shop said with that kind of fuel mileage you don't need an overhead? <laughs> yeah. I'm that's what he that, said, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that's that's me too. Said, that, but I've been okay. and I've been slowly climbing in fuel mileage lately, even with the power loss. I've been okay. climbing in fuel mileage lately, too. Okay, so that goes down as the dumbest statement I've heard this month. Um, come on. <laughs> I, so so let's, let's just use Tad as an example of how dumb that statement could be. Tad's, what, still averaging over 10, John? I mean, long-term, yep. real, real yep, numbers over 10. Yep. So if Tad shows up at a shop somewhere and, getting 8.5, are they going to tell him, with that kind of fuel economy, you don't need anything done? I mean, that, that is right. just a really <laughs> dumb statement. Right. And that's, and that's, I told them, I told them, I said, well, you guys don't worry about that and just do what I've asked you to, done <laughs> to do to the truck because I've always, I've always maintained the truck really well. I mean, it doesn't leak oil. It doesn't, the only thing it does that I really don't like is when I come off a hill or, uh, um, I, you know, I power up before a hill, I'll get a little bit of, I, I don't know if it's overfueling or what, but it'll, it'll give me a little bit of smoke like it's uh, uh, too much fuel being thrown out. Has it always done that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the truck's always now, done that. Now, do you have that smoke? Let's say you're pulling that hill with 30 pounds of boost and you're steady into it. Do you still have the smoke or is it just when no. you hit the throttle? is just when I hit the throttle for a little bit. Uh, and that's nothing. That's, that's just response. 
if you're pulling right. steady and you look and your stacks are clean, you're in good shape. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, it's always, when it's pulling steady, it's always burned real clean. And like I said, no oil leaks, no nothing. I've been real fortunate with the truck. I mean, I think my maintenance bill for this year so far is less than $8,000, and that includes having all the airbags and bushings done on it. Yeah, that's cheap, huh? So, and that and that's what's, you know, leads me to think, do I wait even longer to replace this truck or, you know? Yes. Uh, yes. 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 Wait. <laughs> Just keep on running it. So how do we, do I switch over to like a synthetic, is it time to run synthetic in it? No. Well, he he should have been doing that all along. But, I'm sorry? Uh, Bruce has a philosophy there too. Stick to what you're doing. I, I would have had synthetic in there a long time ago, personally. Okay. Well, I yeah, and that doesn't bother me to switch over to it. It's just you know, not a, I get not a, a million back and forth. You got so over a million miles on it. You said. Yeah. Why? Why? Why change now? Uh, just make a last. I mean, it's it, this thing hasn't even had an end frame done on it. The head's never been off the truck. So why change oil now? Okay, so just stick with what we're doing then. Yeah, stick with what you're doing. Yeah, I still think so, you ought to look for a boost leak somewhere. I really think we ought to do. A, you, ought to, you ought to look for a boost leak. Okay. Um, with that Kevin, slight loss in power. Recommend, can you recommend any other shops in Portland? I don't. I, I go. I go from Portland to Medford and back every day on my I, run. I haul a nighttime FedEx. I, I, I wish I had a good shop to recommend out here. I haven't found one yet. So, um, unfortunately, I don't have anything in the area that I could really recommend. Um, the music's playing. We're going to have to do this again next time. Thanks to uh, the guys from Pittsburgh Power, Bruce and John and Ethan. This is the Power Hour. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.